Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everybody. It looks like we are live. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all in for about an hour of learning English. If this is your first time here, my name is Brent. I've been an English teacher in the United States for about 20 years. Just started my 20th year of teaching uh, this week. It's been a very busy week. I have a few comments that I need to reply to on the YouTube channel. If I haven't replied to you, I promise I will this weekend. It's just been a very busy couple days. But I'm looking forward to taking your questions for, like I said, about an hour. So who have we got here? Mega's here. Welcome, Mega. Welcome. Cecilia's here. How are you? Hope all is well in Argentina. Speaking of Argentina, looks like Maria's here. Welcome. SEO Wu is here. Sivaja is here. Hope I said that correctly. And Abuba is here. I love uh, this comment. I would like to read it before we get started. He says, I can't wait for the lesson. Abuba, I love what he says here. He has his notebook. He's got his pen. He's all set. And I really like what he said at the bottom right there. It's that I believe so wholeheartedly that if we make it, that we could make it if we put our minds into it. So if you have the right mindset, if you have that positive mindset that says, hey, I can learn English, it's going to be hard, but I can do it. It might take me a few years, but I can do it if I work hard. Looks like Rush is in the house. Before we get, uh, before we even went live today, a couple things I should talk about here. Where are they? It looks like... Yeah. Oh, let me get rid of that comment here. We know Rush is in the house, though. But uh, before we even started, uh, Amina left a super chat, so I have something I need to do for her. She says she will be watching a little bit later, but I think she has to work a lot of Saturdays. I know that she sometimes um, goes shopping early on Saturdays as well. So here you go. For her, Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. And we also had a new channel member before we started. So Eugenia Sanchez, thank you so much. This is for you. New member. Make sure you check the members tab for the discord, the members chat and the bonus videos. Yeah, so every week in the Discord server, there is a weekly member chat, video chat. You can practice your English, but we're also talking in there every day, talking about the weather we are experiencing, talking about the books we're reading, talking about the food we're eating. That's one of my favorite parts of the Discord is watching everybody take the pictures of their food and describing it. It always makes me hungry. Hey, Sam the Taiwanese is here. 
Constantine, welcome. Zabeda is here. All right, looks like we have a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, all hat and no cattle? What does that mean? I have not. I have not heard that phrase before, all hat and no cattle. So the thing that I always think about is I've been living in the United States for 45 years. This is an American English channel. If I've never heard it, there's a good chance you probably don't need to know it. Now, it might be British or it might be something that the the young people say, but um, I can take a look. I might be able to do a little screen share here. We'll figure out what it means. All hat and no cattle. I do know cattle is, is basically an, another name for, it's another name for um, cows. Let's see here. I think I can share this. Oh, it looks like. So all hat and no cattle. If I look right here, it says to talk boastfully without acting on one's words. What the heck does that mean? Um, we might say something like all talk. Let, let me use in a sentence here. He's all talk. So if you ever hear that in American English, it basically means in that sentence, this person loves to talk about the stuff they are going to do, but they never do it. So how could I say this? Okay. Let's say that I need to move houses next weekend. I need to move from one house to the other. I'm moving. Maybe I'm getting a bigger house. Maybe I'm getting a smaller house. Maybe I'm moving into a nicer neighborhood. And I ask my friend, Hey, do you mind, do you mind helping me out? I need some help moving. And he might say, Oh yeah, I'll bring my truck over. I will definitely help you. I will help you all day as much as you need. And maybe he doesn't show up. I might say, Oh, he's all talk. I knew I shouldn't have asked him to help me move. I can't count on that guy. So if somebody is all talk, they love to talk about it, but they might not actually follow through with what they said they were going to do. All right. Just looking for some questions here. Not many questions. So what happens when there are no questions in the chat is usually I will tell a story. And um, the story I want to tell is how I started back to school this week. And you can learn English really well through listening to stories. So until we get a question, I'm going to tell a story. So the story that I want to tell is how tired I have been this week. Because we started school. I had three days of classes. That's it. I had two days this week, Monday and Tuesday, to get ready for those classes. And each night I went home completely tired, completely tired. But the good news is I got to meet all of my students at school. I have about 80 students. I teach 40, um, excuse me, I teach four classes of about 20 students each. 
So I have 80 students total and I got to meet all of them and uh, they all seemed pretty nice. You know, it's going to be a, a bumpy year if on the first couple days you find some students who have really bad behavior. Luckily, in the first uh, two days with my students, one day was with some other students, um, I didn't see any behaviors. But that doesn't mean we won't have any this year. There's always a couple who are uh, behavior problems, I guess. All right, Abuba, hope that notebook and pen is working for you. Uh, what's the worst case scenario expression mean? All right, uh, the worst case scenario. Let's talk about, uh, sometimes we'll use this with weather. It, it basically means what's the worst that can happen. And when we use it with weather, you know, weather is unpredictable. We never know what's going to happen with the weather. We're always just kind of guessing. Even the experts, the uh, weather forecasters, they don't know exactly what is going to happen. So earlier in the week, my area, we were told that, you know, Hurricane Ida, we just had a storm go through the United States. Hurricane Ida. She might roll through this area. Use a phrasal verb there, roll through this area. And the worst case scenario was we would get a lot of rain and we might have some flooding, but the wind wouldn't be that bad. So the worst case scenario for us, it wasn't as bad as New Orleans. The worst case scenario for New Orleans, it was the, the worst that could happen is you're going to get a lot of wind. You're going to get a lot of rain. You'll probably lose power. You might lose your house. So our worst case scenario where I live, which is near Boston, it wasn't as bad as the worst case scenario for New Orleans. So worst case scenario, what's the worst that could happen? And it usually is when you're trying to predict something in the future. All right. Let's see. Let's see some more questions here. All right. Whoa. Oh, that's a great question. What's the difference between job, work, occupation, career, vocation, task, and profession? Well, definitely all of these words have something to do with, with work. It's right there. So I'll use myself as an example. I am a teacher. If somebody asks me, hey, what's your job? I could say teacher. What do you do for work? Oh, I'm a teacher. What's your occupation? I'm a teacher. When we talk about career, we usually talk about a longer period of time. And we might ask uh, children, hey, in the future, what do you think your career is going to be? So for right now, my career, for my entire career, I've been a teacher. So it's just, it's like a longer period of time. A vocation. This is a little bit more difficult. I would not consider teaching a vocation. 
Um, you, you could say it is, but when I hear vocation, I think more of work that is done with your hands. So plumber, construction worker, electrician, those would be more vocations. And the reason I say that is because we have schools in the United States called vocational schools, vocational schools. And what they learn there at a vocational school are some of the careers I just talked about. Plumbing, electrician, construction worker, mechanic. And those are people who work on, on cars. A task is something you have to do. So I wouldn't say that teaching is a task. But if I did, that would mean it's, it's something hard. But I might say, ooh, my main task today, my main task today is to take out the trash. So that might be like a little job I have to do today. All the trash that's in my house and bags, I need to take it out to the street and then the trash truck will take it away. Maybe my task for today is to mow the lawn. My task today, maybe clean my room. So tasks are usually smaller jobs. And then profession. Profession and career, they're very much alike. So we're talking about uh, the bigger picture, a longer period of time. What's my profession? I'm a teacher. So very closely related words. I hope that helps. Zobeda, what is this situation called? When we look back at what we have done in the past and we notice that is connected to what we do right now. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, what would we call that? A lot of times when you're looking back with fondness, when you're looking back with good ideas, not bad, we call that nostalgia. Nostalgia, when you look back. But um, I'm not exactly sure what we would say that. How about this? Here, here's a term that we might use. Come full circle. So let's talk about that. And hopefully, Zobeda, this will help answer your question. I remember back in the third grade, back in the third grade, my teacher told me, hey, Brent, one day you would make a great teacher, I think. I can see you when you become an adult. I can see you teaching. And so fast forward 40 years, 35 years, guess what? I'm a teacher. So it's kind of come full circle. So when something to the past relates to what's going on now, I think the best term to use would be it has come full circle. How about for you? Maybe two years ago, you decided I want to learn English and you worked really hard. And every day you said, I hope I can do this. And you did it. 
little by little. And then one day when you meet somebody on the street and you have an English conversation with them and you feel comfortable, like all that hard work you did in the past, it's come full circle. You've achieved that goal of having that English conversation with someone and feeling very comfortable. So, so Beta, I think that is the best phrase to use when something from the past happens right now and they're connected. Hope that helps, Abeda. Hope that helps. Next question. Thanks for all the questions, by the way. These are, oh, thanks. Nice shirt, Cecilia said. Uh, in, in all honesty, you know what this shirt is? This shirt was what I wore yesterday to teach in, and it was still all ironed and not wrinkly. And I thought, hmm, maybe I should dress up a little bit for the live stream. And I, I felt the shirt was still clean enough. I'm like, hmm, let me put on that shirt. And I did. All right. Good question. These are some good questions. Thank you for that. I must hydrate, though. All right. Um, what is the difference between to rent, hire, lease, and let? All right. All of these are definitely connected to the word borrow. So for all four of these verbs, you're not actually owning something. You're borrowing it, which means you will have it for a short period of time, but then you have to give it back, okay? More English phrasal verbs. When we say rent, you will probably rent a house. That means it's yours for the month, probably. Most, most um, rental agreements for a house or an apartment, they might be a month at a time. So you pay your landlord, that's the person who owns the house or apartment, you pay them rent each month. Hire, that mostly is about an hour. So you don't hire an apartment, but you might hire somebody to fix your sink. And usually you pay them by the hour. Also, you could rent a car. Most of the time, most of the time you rent it by the day or the week. So rent and, and hire, they can be used interchangeably for a car. You might say, I need to, to rent a car for a week, or you might hire a driver. And there you would probably pay them by the hour. So if somebody is going to drive you around, maybe like in a limo, you might rent the driver. You could also lease a car. That means you get a brand new car, which is great. You get a brand new car and maybe you have a two-year lease on that car. And each month you're paying whatever company owns the car, you're paying them money each month. But at the end of that two years, you need to give it back. I have never leased a car 
If you always want to have a nice new car, leasing might be a good bet for you, but it's expensive. You always have a car payment. And uh, sometimes there are a certain amount of miles that you can drive. If you drive the car too much over those two years, you have to pay a lot of money. Let is definitely the uh, the rarest of these four. We don't use this one as much, but it, it could almost be like rent. It could almost be like rent. But a lot of times, let me add this little prefix to it. Sublet. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this and I'll explain sublet. Let's say you wanted to rent an apartment for a year. You know, it's possible. You have an agreement with the landlord. You say, hey, I want this apartment for a year. Can I have it? That person would say yes. And you plan on being there for a year, but maybe you get a job somewhere else. You still have that apartment for a year, but you could sublet it. And that means you're still paying for the apartment to the person who owns it. But maybe you have found someone who will take that apartment from you. So if you have two months left to rent out that apartment, you might find a friend. Hey, can you help me out? If you live here and pay me, you will be subletting that apartment. I hope that makes sense. It's kind of kind of confusing. Hiroki, welcome from Japan. Hey, Sam the Taiwanese is here. Welcome. All right, Zoe. She says thank you. So I, I hope that helps. I hope that helps. What? Constantine is reading the long walk. Oh my I can't my my long walk in Italian. La Luna Lunga. No. La Lunga Manja. No. La Lunga Marcia. Is, is right up there, but I can't reach it. So I have uh, been reading The Long Walk in Italian off and on. It's very hard. It's very hard. Constantine says, I'm still reading The Long Walk, and it's an amazing book. New word or two almost every page. A lot of them, of course, urban talks, I think. Yeah, Constantine, that sounds like the perfect reading level for you. You know, he's not seeing too many new words on each page, but one or two on each page is perfect. I would say up to about five or six new words a page. And I think that's a great, a great, uh, a great level for you. Yeah. Urban talks. W what happens on the long walk, and I won't spoil it, but there are uh, a bunch Constantine, how many? A hundred, I think. A hundred boys are picked to just walk, to just walk. And if they stop walking, uh, they they get uh, they get shot. Yeah, it's not good. But we we get to hear these teenage boys talk. That's all they're pretty much doing is is talking on this long walk. And you know, every so often, one of them will get shot. Or they will meet a crowd of people. And it, uh, it, it takes place in my state, the state of Maine. If you were interested in that book, I, I think in the description, 
I have a link. I, I might get a little money if you if you choose that link. But yeah, The Long Walk is an amazing book. It was written in the 1970s, but I think it still holds up today. Let's look at that uh, English phrasal verb here, holds up. So if something, I, I think I have mentioned this before, but if something was written a long time ago, but it still works for today, if it's still entertaining, if you read it and you still like it, you could say it holds up. The same is true for movies, maybe songs. Maybe a song was written 50 years ago. In my opinion, the Beatles. I think that music still holds up. But yeah, it is 100. Why did that not work? The main character is from Maine, and there are 100. 100 boys that were, I th they volunteered. They, they were not forced to go on this walk. And the winner gets a really good prize. I don't think we're ever told the prize, though. And uh, I don't want to, uh, I do not want to spoil the ending. I would say luminescence. Anytime you see that word, think of light, luminescence, light. Um, there are certain creatures who can light their bodies up. In English, we call them fireflies or lightning bugs. And we would say that they have bioluminescence. So um, there are some fish deep down in the sea. They can light their bodies up. So anytime you see uh, luminescence, think of light. Jake is here from South Korea. Shea, how are you? Welcome. Aw, I have seen pictures of Mega's little niece. She is adorable. That's a good way to describe a baby who is really cute. Aw, adorable. Adorable. All right. I'm going back through here. Think Maui English. How are you? I don't learn English at school at all, but I really want to be fluent. Ain't supposed to be like a native. I just want to have a good conversation. And I love this. I love this part. Is and I, In my opinion, there are a lot of opinions in teaching, right? But in my opinion, I agree with Maui English. You should never want to sound like a native, you know? Embrace your culture. You know, if you grew up, I just see Ta uh, Sam here from Taiwan. If you grew up in Taiwan, you know, just, hey, I'm from Taiwan. I want to speak English. I don't need to sound like an American or an Australian. I want to sound like me. I just you know, want to have a good conversation. I think that's a, uh, a great, uh, some great words to live by, Maui English. Thank you. All right. Oh, dear. Here we go. Some more verbs. And it looks like all of these have something to do with breaking something. All right. Um, man, what could I, what could have a crack? Let me use this. Look at, I got this nice, uh, this nice stream yard mug. So I could have a crack in this mug if I did or cup, you could call it a mug or a cup, a crack would probably go down here. It would be a line 
it would almost be like the the mug is breaking, but a crack would be a little line that goes down the mug. A chip, it would be like, we might say a chunk, but a chip right from the top of this, it would be like a part taken out. Oh dear. Lots of English phrasal verbs, right? Now, if this mug breaks, yeah, I can't use it anymore. It means it is uh, in different little pieces. A fracture. When I hear fracture, I think of bones. And you can, you can actually probably do all of these with bones too. So uh, a fracture, I would not use that verb with this cup, but I might use it with a bone. And maybe your bone is not completely broken, but there is a crack or a chip in it. We might call it a fracture. Smash. I think of smashing as like an action like this. Like you can take a hammer and I could smash this mug and it would break. It would also fracture into tiny pieces. You might use it that way with a mug. And shatter. Um, so I'm looking at the other ones. It's just like break, shatter, break. They can be synonyms. You can use them in basically the same way. But when I hear shatter, I think smaller pieces shatter. A window could shatter. A mirror could shatter. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Uh, Maui English. This is a great question right here. How to deal with a situation when you have no idea how to express something. All right. So I think what really good English learners do is that they find ways to express themselves with the words they know. So let's look at the last one. Like you probably don't need all of these words to have an English conversation. But if you know break, but you don't know shatter, you might say, oh, you know, when it, when it, when it breaks into all these little pieces. So you might not know the word shatter. It could make your conversation, you know, much quicker. But if you can describe what you're talking about, uh, if we go back to the whole rent, rent thing, let's say you're trying to tell someone that you're renting a house, but you don't know the word rent. You can describe it. Um, yeah, it's not my house. Somebody else owns it, but I am paying them each month to live there. And the person you're talking to might say, oh, oh, are you renting? And they, oh, yes, yes, I'm renting. So maybe you can't use the word rent. Maybe you've heard it before. And when you describe it to that other person, they'll know what you're talking about. And they might even say the word. Oh, oh, rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rent. That's right. I am renting that house or I am renting that apartment. So just try to find unique ways to describe with the words you already know. Great question. Great question because that happens to all of us. That happens to all of us. And if you are speaking 
to a native English speaker, don't feel bad. They will probably always know more words than you do. Just learn how to use the words that you do know. And the more you read, the more often you listen to teachers like myself on YouTube, the more words you will acquire. All right. Gloria, is this for me? I'm going to read this. I don't even know if it's for me, but Gloria, welcome. Hi, I would like to know, it does sound like it's for me. How are you going to work at your school? Everybody is going to school. Thank you. I love your classes. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, good question, Gloria. I'm just going to, uh, I'll keep that right there. Uh, okay. So um, let's see. Everybody is in class right now. So for the first two days with my students, my eighth graders, um, I had four classes of about 20 and we were all in there. Everybody, uh, not, not remote learning like we did last year. Everybody was in class. My district. Okay. That's the, that's the, what we call the, the schools in my city that I work in. So my district we have said masks are recommended, not required. Masks are recommended, which means if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you feel comfortable that you've been vaccinated, you know what? You don't need to wear a mask. So I always have a mask in my pocket. And when I need to talk closely with a student, I will put my mask on just to maybe make them feel better. If they are wearing a mask, I definitely put a mask on because we did have a handful of students who chose to, to wear a mask. When I say handful, you know, I mean, a handful is probably like actually five. That's a handful, but there were maybe out of the 80 students, we might've had seven, eight who wore masks, maybe 10, but I don't think a dozen, not 12. Now where my wife teaches, it's about 30 miles away from me. Masks are required. All of the districts around my district, masks are required. We might be the only school district in Maine that says masks are uh, recommended, recommended. They say, eh, you should probably have a mask on, but we're not forcing you to. If masks are required, you are being forced to wear a mask. Gloria, I hope that helps. It's a, it's a little bit of a confusing subject because not all school districts are acting the same way in my state. I hope that helps. All right, Zoe, I've heard vocation is used when we can make money and our job is fulfilling as well. Is it wrong? No, 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 nope. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could use it for teaching and some people probably might, it's not wrong, but when I hear vocation, the first thing I think of is work with your hands, work with your hands, a vocation. Yeah. Okay. Brian, is there any difference between fall down 
and fall over. Um, not really, not really. But, um, and I would say, like you know, if you don't know the difference and you use the wrong one, people will know exactly what you're saying. But um, you would fall down stairs. You would fall downstairs. You wouldn't fall over stairs. Let's say you're walking downstairs. You trip. You fall. You would fall downstairs. Um, a, a lamp. I could do both though. But a, a, if a lamp is sitting on a table and the window is open and there is a big gust of wind we would probably say the lamp fell over. But if you say, the, oh, the lamp fell down. No, it's not wrong. But um, fall down, would it, it has something to do with the direction. So down, over is more like this. But it's not a real big deal. Sometimes we do use them interchangeably. I'm really behind in the chat. Let me, let me skip down to uh, some more recent ones and I'll work my way back up. All right, Hiroki. First of all, I always pick up some native English speakers. That's great. I think just by listening to me talk for about an hour, that is really going to help you. I'm probably using the correct prepositions. I'm probably using the correct vocabulary. Just by listening to me talk for an hour, I think is really helpful. So it's the input method, but not all people agree with that. But I do think lots of reading, lots of listening, the language gets into your brain. It really helps. Second, I'm going to send and reply messages. Okay, so now Hiroki is talking about output. Output, that is when you are creating what you want to say in English. It could be through writing, replying to messages. If it's in writing, that's output. If you're speaking to someone, they're speaking to you, that's listening, input. If you are speaking to them, that's output. You will always have more vocabulary with input. You will always know more words in English when you are receiving them. It's harder to turn those words you know in your head into words that you can use. But I think, Hiroki, that is great practice. Replying to messages. All right. And then reading for pleasure. That's huge. Reading for pleasure. Reading what you like. Yeah. Don't read boring books. That's what I tell my students in class. Life is too short for boring books. Read what you like. Read for pleasure. If you have something boring, you are more likely to stop reading. Maybe after 10 minutes, like, ah, this is boring. But maybe the level is a little bit lower, but it's something you like. You might read for 20 minutes. You might read for 30 minutes. So much better. Hey, we, we's here. Yeah, we goes to school in New York. And I'm a little jealous because he doesn't start school for a couple weeks, I think. What did you say, we? Is it September 14th? September 14th? Armenia's in the house. Armenia's in the house. Virtual hug. Love it. Love it. 
Oh my gosh, Nadia, this is a good question. How long to be able to, you know, speak in English the best you can? It depends. I think a lot depends on how much you spend per day with English. Another thing that is going to be a factor is what is your native language? So if you are an Italian speaker, if you are a Portuguese speaker, if you're a French speaker, if you're a Dutch speaker, you will acquire English more quickly. On average, you will acquire language more quickly because it's so close to your native language. If you speak a language like Arabic or Persian or even Turkish, I know Turkish use, uses a lot of the Latin alphabet. It's still very different with the, the sentence structure. It's not a subject, verb, object, language like English is or like French is for the most part. So those types of languages, Japanese, Korean, Mandarin, Russian, uh, Hindi, uh, those languages are further away from English. So it is probably going to take you a little bit longer to learn English to the best you can um, than someone who speaks a language like Spanish, which is more closely related to English. So there are a lot of factors. Um, the best thing I can say is just don't give up. Um, when you see videos that say, learn English in 30 minutes or even learn English in 30 minutes a day. I mean, how many days are we talking? 30 minutes for five years? Maybe 30 minutes for a year? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, just a bit. Oh, man. Uh, do you ever plan to publish a book about the English language? Yeah, I do write. I actually do write quite a bit. And a lot of the books, actually, they haven't been published. So we would call them manuscripts. And a lot of times I do read the books or the manuscripts that I've written to my students. This summer, I wrote a couple chapters for this channel. Um, so it's like a free audio book. I need to get back to that. But if you, if you search... Um, what's so loud up there? I think my family's having a party without me. What's going on? I just got a text message. Is something going on? Oh, <laughs> hang on. Uh, let me just text my wife like, hey, what the heck is going on? Maybe you didn't hear it. I don't know. Hope I'm not missing anything fun up there. All right. Uh, yeah. So I do plan on publishing some English books and I will put them on this channel and I will read them. I've just been a little bit busy. But yeah, thank you for the question. Oh no. Abu Ba has to run. Ooh, soccer game. Enjoy. Good luck. <laughs> oh no, did he? I hope you're not going to be late. Don't be late. Run. Run. If you're a soccer player, you might be fast already. So Abu Ba. Um, the great thing about this lesson here, these questions, is that you can always watch it on replay. It's also going to be available on the podcast. So if you just want to listen to me talking for an hour, maybe you're going on a walk. 
you can download the podcast. It's just look up American English with this guy, get the audio. I actually have a podcast episode, nine hours of English. It's just me talking. I put a bunch of lessons together. So I hope some people are, are falling asleep to the English. And I don't know how much English you learn while you're sleeping, but it might relax you. And any English is good English, right? Any English is good English. What is this? Did we, did Sita, 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 thank you so much for the super chat. Got a little something for you. Here it is. Where is it? Right here. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. Yeah. And Sita is a channel member and she's always um, talking in the writing and talking in the discord server. I believe I saw it was her husband's birthday this week, I think. And I think she also has a cat and I asked her the name of her cat, but I, I just asked her this morning. So she hasn't gotten back to me, but Sita, thank you so much. Thank you so much for becoming a member. Thank you so much for the super chat. I do appreciate it. Let's see. Oh, look at this. I love it. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. That's a great expression to use when, we all are experiencing the same thing. We're all in the same boat as English learners. I mean, I am learning Italian. I realize it is very difficult. This week was very busy for me. Was I able to study a lot of Italian? No. Do I feel bad about that? No. Please, if you, if sometimes we say life gets in the way, write that right here. Life gets in the way. Um, if life gets in the way, it's another way of saying you're busy. You know, don't feel badly. Um, study English whenever you can, but if you have to take a week or two off, sometimes that can actually help. Now, don't take too many weeks off, but sometimes the length of time that you take a break and then you revisit the English, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps. Just don't take too many breaks. But don't feel badly when um, life gets in the way. Hey, Brent. Hope you're doing well. Hey, Snazzy. What's the difference between good, rather good, quite good, somewhat good, really good, and also let me know if there are similar words. Yeah, we, we love to use this. This seems like this might be a, a good video to make. But what's the difference between good? All right. I think most people know that, right? Um, uh, let, let's talk about your day. Okay. Let's talk about your Friday. I think we've all experienced Friday. So how was your Friday? Was it good? Let's, let's, do, let's do this. One out of 10, okay? Rank your day. All right, in English, when we rank our day, one is usually the worst day ever. 10, best day ever. So if you want, put in the chat, how was your Friday? Did you have the best Friday ever? Was it a 10, 
Did you have the worst day ever? Was it a one? And let's look at these. If I said I had a good day, good, I would probably put it like a seven or an eight. You know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Rather good. It, it, it doesn't mean as good as good. It was rather good. So maybe like a six. Uh, quite good. It's kind of the same. You know, it might be a six. It was quite good. It was quite good. Um, somewhat good. That's actually almost the same too. Yeah. Maybe like a six. Really good. Now we're talking maybe like eight and a half. 8.5. I don't know about a nine, but really good. I will take really good every day. Um, maybe, yeah, you could, you could say, uh, what, when, wait, Ken had a term paper. Hey, thank you for become, becoming a member, by the way, um, a term paper. So if you did really well, and a lot of times when you are talking about how you did something, we will use well. Because well, it describes like ver. It's 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 an adverb, but a lot of native English speakers will use good. Hey, how did you do on that term paper? Oh, I did good. Is it proper English? No. Do people say it all the time? Yeah, I would say well. I did well on my term paper. I, I did rather well. Yeah, I, I did somewhat well. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. So I don't think we would say somewhat well, but I did pretty well. Did you say pretty in that last one? Pretty well. Um, if you didn't, that is another one that we would say. So rather good, quite good, somewhat good, really good, eh, pretty good. Pretty good is a lot like rather, quite and uh, somewhat might be a little less might be a little less oh 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 how to write a paper i started taking a class eh, you're in a psychology class and you're lost um yeah don't feel bad uh, psychology can be kind of difficult and it's in english so you'll be using a lot of science vocabulary that would be difficult for um native english speakers too i imagine yeah, writing a paper. I do teach that in my English classes, and it is rather difficult. It's, it's quite difficult to write, um, like a, we might call it a term paper. Oh, yeah, I think Ken called it a term paper. Yeah. So, oh, no, it's raining buckets, I think. Um, I think it's raining buckets. Yeah, we would probably say that it's raining buckets. Uh, Jake from Korea is wondering, did you, have I heard about Blackpink? Yeah, I made a video. I made a, 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 an English lesson talking about one of Blackpink's songs. I can't remember which one. Nadia, memorize English sentences or words. My opinion, I would not memorize. Some people love to memorize. If you are a person who loves to memorize words, eh, I don't even have, I do have a, um, oh, I got it over here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right here. Here is my Italian grammar book. 
grammatica italiana per tutti, right? And it has all the rules. Do I read this thing often? No, I don't. And my buddy, Aroni, he sent this to me from Italy. Thank you, Aroni. Um, but I don't think you need to memorize rules. It's probably good to have a grammar book, study it a little bit. Maybe if you're reading something in English and it doesn't quite make sense, refer to the grammar book. But I am not a learner who likes to memorize things. If you think about small children, you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds who are learning to talk, they don't memorize anything. They hear their parents. Maybe their older brothers and sisters speak, and that's how they learn the language. Do they make mistakes along the way? Yes, all the time. Are we going to make mistakes on the way, along the way in learning English? Yeah, but over time, those mistakes will be corrected. They're having a party upstairs. I'm not sure if you can, not sure if you can hear that, but I think Sita mentioned the name of her cat. Where is Sita's cat here? Where is Sita's cat? All right. Yes, Brent, my husband's birthday was yesterday. So I don't know how to say it in Portuguese. So probably something like Cublianos. Birthday, Cublianos, Bon Cublianos. Thank you for mentioning him. My cat is called Surrey. He was complaining a lot. When we got home yesterday, did he miss you? Did he did he want to celebrate your husband's birthday with you and you didn't take him? That's probably why he was complaining in his own cat language. He was probably saying, you should have taken me to celebrate. What is going on upstairs? Should I send? Can you hear that? Should I send a text? See, he's like, what? I think they're playing with my my dog. I think I think they're throwing him toys on the floor. And he's running to get it. Hopefully you can't. So embarrassing. This is supposed to be a professional YouTube stream. And we have dogs running around upstairs. Ah, so embarrassed. Okay. I'll probably never be able to say that. Anniversario. Probably sounds too Italian. Anniversario. That's not good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Cuplianos. It's close. Thank you, Andre. Uh, I have heard butter, but what is going on? Hey, that's distracting to me. It's the dog. He's playing. Hey, Hank, cut it out. I'm texting my wife. What's that noise? What's that noise? My YouTube career is on the line. Too much noise. People are leaving the stream. I don't want to hear that. Hey, Pakistan, welcome. What's the capital of Pakistan? Is it Karachi? Do you live in Karachi? You know where I would love to visit in Pakistan? Lahore. Looks like a beautiful city. Any Anybody from Poland here? Um, I was watching a video from Krakow. I would love to... That's that's annoying. Hopefully you can't hear. You can't hear it. I'm very distracted. Looking for more questions. I saw a couple up here. 
again, thank you. Thank you for that as I look up here. Oh, no. I don't know how to say this Russian name. I do know it's Russian. I have looked it up. And I have written it, uh, written the name in Latin. I just can't remember what it is. Life is too short for boring books. I like it. Should be stenciled in gold. Yeah, I don't know if I created that or I think I heard that somewhere. But um, yeah, I, I did not make that up, I don't think. I did not create that. I have more questions. I hope you guys don't mind. I, I don't mind. I, and the great thing about somebody asking a question here, it's probably going to help a few people in here. Who knows? Maybe everybody. I have more questions. I hope you guys don't mind. When do you, when do people need to write an essay other than school? Great question. Let's take that one first. I'll come right back to this. Um, let's say that is, is rare. It is rare. Um, when I, when I, um, ask my student in my class for the year, there are only three major that's, this is ridiculous. And I don't think my wife is home. Probably my son. My son is home for the weekend. What's his name? Okay. I got it. Um, he's home for the weekend. He, we, uh, nobody's complaining about the noise in the chat, but, uh, it's distracting me in my head. Egalitarianism. What? I'm all distracted. Okay. Let me, I, I'll answer this one really quickly here. Egalitarianism, egalitarianism. So if something, um, it like, it's like higher class, maybe for lack of a better word, um, I think egalitarianism. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that question because now I, I egalitarianism. No, never mind. Okay, hang on. Egalitarianism. It's not that. It is right here. It's basically saying that all people should have the same rights. So it's the opposite of what I was saying. So back to the question about um, when do people have to write essays other than in school? I don't think they do very often. Um, it's always like if you go into um, the field of science where you're trying to prove things or maybe you are um, in a job where you're trying to write grants, and that is trying to get money from different organizations or the government. Um, writing an essay can be very useful tool there. But I do think it's rare in, in many jobs. Okay, does each classroom belong to only one teacher in the U.S. or other classes can use it? That also depends. My school, this year, I'm very lucky. I have my own classroom. In the 20 years that I have been teaching, I have had my own classroom every single time. So a lot of times English teachers or math teachers, they are more likely to have their own classroom. If there are a lot of students in the school and the school is crowded, sometimes teachers will have to share a room. 
but a lot of times it will be teachers who teach maybe art or music or maybe a foreign language like Spanish or French. So, but usually, yeah, it just depends. So in the 20 years that I've been teaching, I have never had to share a classroom. This year for the first time though, in my last class of the day, there is a teacher who comes in to teach with me and we call it co-teaching, co-teaching. It's my dog who was playing up there. Um, Constantine, oh, how do you pronounce the word curdled? And how do you use it in a sentence? So we often talk about curdled when something is spoiled. But it's almost only used with milk. So the milk has curdled. That means it is spoiled. But then it also gets like bumpy. And um, the, the liquid turns into more of a solid when it's curdled. But sometimes the, the curdling, I think, can become something useful. But most of the time when you hear curdled, think milk, think spoiled. Right. Mega. Sir, do you speak to your students in English words they don't come across? or in simple language while teaching? Yeah, Mega, this is a great point. So when I'm speaking, or a great question, when I'm speaking to my class, a lot of times I will use simple language, but I will try to put in words every so often that they haven't heard, but in the sentences that I use, I'm hoping they will have enough context so they will understand what that word means. Ah, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is in the house. Um, what's, is it Colombo? Colombo, right? The city in Sri Lanka. Yeah, Sri Lanka. Can you? Nobody is saying that they can hear that noise. So it may be just me that can hear it, but it is super annoying. Hang on just a second. I don't even know if they can hear me. My dog, uh, not my dog, their dog. He, we lost his bone for a while. And this morning, my daughter was looking in the couch for her AirPods. She found the bone. I think the bone was put on the floor. And now my dog is just playing with it. But it keeps clicking against the, the ceiling. Uh, yeah, etiquette. Etiquette means the proper way to do things. So maybe a hundred years ago, there was proper etiquette in the United States when you were eating, or at least more proper etiquette. When I think of etiquette, I think, oh, do I use this spoon with my soup or do I use this fork with my salad? So etiquette is usually a way of doing things and it has a lot of rules, a way to be proper. Maybe when you drink your tea, you put your, you put your little pinky out etiquette. It's just uh, the proper way to do things. Now, when you're eating in the United States, it's probably just like, hey, close your mouth when you're eating. Don't smack. You know, There might be an etiquette uh, for weddings. I think there is actually. In the United States, 
we have jobs that are called wedding planners wedding planners they literally will plan your wedding for you you have to pay them a lot of money but they will also know the wedding etiquette like who comes down the aisle first is it the groom is it the bride i think it's the groom but they will plan out your wedding and make sure all of the etiquette is followed how about that i hope that helps hope all is well in sri lanka one of my favorite YouTubers, his name is Harold Balder. And when everyone, you know, when the world shut down, I have to be careful what I say so YouTube doesn't get mad. Um, he spent the time in Sri Lanka. So he stayed with a just a super nice couple. I can't remember his name, but I think he stayed in uh, Colombo in Sri Lanka. Nikita. How are you, my friend? Hey, Brent, what sounds more natural? He speaks at an advanced level. That sounds very natural to me. Or he speaks at the advanced level. Oh, I would say use Anne in that case. Use Anne. Thanks and thank you in advance. You're welcome. Joseph is here. Constantine, of course. Of course. Um, some of these words, I don't, yeah, thank you, Nick. Yeah. Hurricane Hank, he would destroy my house if we let him. Oh, he would my couch. He loves to tear up things. We bought him a little bed. Oh, he doesn't take care of it. He tears it up. Yeah, he's a puppy. He's a puppy. Um, is there a difference between the words quantity and amount in a sentence? Um, amount is probably a little more informal. You'll probably hear that a little more often. Um, quantity sounds a little bit more formal. Um, so if I was in a math class, if I was a math teacher, uh, my students would be in trouble because I'm not very good at math. But the, somebody might ask me, hey, we just might say, hey, how many calculators do you need for your class? Um, yeah, quantity it's, that's very, very formal. So I might just say, Hey, how many, how many do you need? Mm. Um, we often use amount or quantity when you're actually doing math. So sometimes it's the answers you get quantity, but it's a number of things. It's the number of things I'm trying to think of uh, a sentence to use. That's just not that formal. And I can't. Um, yeah. If I went into the grocery store with my wife, um, I would never say, hey, what amount of bananas do you want? What's the quantity of bananas should we get for the week? I would just say, hey, how many bananas do you think we should have this week? Are you going to eat one a day? I'm going to eat one a day. Uh, let's get like 10. We don't want the bananas to go bad. Yeah. So I think... They're both very formal, very formal terms. All right. Um, Constantine, phrases, touch nothing and don't touch anything. Are they the same? Yeah, they're the same, but you're definitely going to hear, hey, don't touch anything. Little kids, they're always being told that, right? You go into a very nice house, maybe that this one time, my uh, my son 
myself and my wife, we went to visit my, my wife's grandmother. You know, of course, you know, she's very old and she had all these little glass things around her house. She didn't have small children anymore. So I just had to keep reminding my son who was about three to don't touch anything. We don't want anything to break to, to, to break Marty. What's going on? Oh, you lost your member. Marty's been a member for, uh, for, uh, forever. Marty. Well, anytime you want to come back, Marty, we'll welcome you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for, uh, being so supportive. Oh, that happens sometimes. Change your credit card. Yeah. The, um, the expiration date on your credit card will run out, will run out every few years. It can be a big pain to change everything. What? Uh, no, no, I don't buy bananas by the dozen. That is, that is for sure. No, I buy like one or two bananas usually when I go in, because if you don't eat the banana within a couple days, it gets all brown and squishy and, yeah, I'm very careful with the bananas that I buy. Mm. All right. Um, Elena from Russia. Can you please explain the difference between required, mandatory, compulsory, if there is any? No. Um, let's not make it too complicated. Um, no. There's, there's no real difference. All of those mean you must do it. So if you were taking a class called English 2, I'm pretty sure English 1 would have been required, it would have been mandatory, or it would have been compulsory. So you would have to take English 1 before you took English 2. Um, let's talk about my wife's school masks are required that's the term that is used right now they are required but they could say they're mandatory or they're compulsory they just choose to use mandatory yeah good question good question uh every three years every three months oh it changes yeah i think my credit card um expires in 2023 so i have to I have to be careful of that. All right, Maria, thanks so much for being a channel member. Um, Brent, do you use the phrasal verb take out to refer to something that you have to take from the fridge, for example? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, or to get out. Oh, no way. Eugenia Sanchez. Hey, welcome to the club. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to meet her. Maybe she'll be in the chat tomorrow. Um, but it... Um, any members who have not joined the Discord server, if you check the members tab, there's a link. And we got maybe 30, 40, pretty small group of people chatting pretty much every day. Yeah. I think our bananas might come from Brazil. I think so. Maybe Argentina. I'll check. Pretty soon I'm going to be doing a video lesson, another English teacher challenge where I get kicked out of a supermarket. A grocery store i'll try to look at the bananas because that's the first section i will go to the produce section i'll see where um those bananas come from yeah so in the morning if um we have some uh frozen meat 
you might take out the meat from the freezer and put it into the fridge for the day so that it will thaw out. I think I just used like three phrasal verbs there. Um, but you could ask someone, hey, can you get out the meat, please? Hey, can you take out the meat? So a lot of times, yeah, we use those two interchangeably. Yeah. Hey, could you take those bananas out of the fridge? I don't think you're supposed to put bananas in the fridge, are you? I don't put bananas in my fridge. Will that ruin a banana? I don't know. I'm an English teacher. I don't know about bananas. If you know, does anybody put bananas in their fridge? I don't, I don't think so. All right. Hey, free 99 English. Sean's in the house. Welcome. All right. Great question here. How do you learn phrasal verbs? Should you memorize them? Mm, I say no. I say no. I say listen and read a lot. That way you will be exposed to those phrasal verbs. You will hear them. You will see them in context. So I wouldn't try to memorize them. I do have a lot of videos. I think I have a whole playlist where it says English phrasal verbs. Feel free, watch those. You you can watch those all in a row. Will you remember them? Probably not. But I don't think you should re-watch those videos. You'll get those phrasal verbs into your mind. And maybe the next time you hear somebody use them, you're like, oh, I think I know what that means. The next time you read it, you'll, you'll just acquire those phrasal verbs over time with lots of listening and lots of reading. Wait, Cecilia puts bananas in the fridge. Okay, maybe they last longer. Now, I, if you've been watching this channel for any length of time, you know I love ice cream. I love ice cream. And I love banana splits. A banana split. I don't know if you have that in your country, but it's basically you take a banana and you just put ice cream around it. And the bananas are always cold. Has anybody ever watched? I wonder if Maria has. Has anyone ever watched this show called Arrested Development? Because they actually have a frozen banana stand. Yeah, so some people freeze the bananas. I guess you can do that. I guess you can do that. Brent, are you a teacher in one school for a while or can you move to another city? How's the instruction? Yeah, that's a great question, Madi. Thank you. Um, I have been at my school for four years. So at my other school, I was there for three years. In the school before that, I was there for 10 years. And each time I moved schools, I moved to get more money. So I just teach at one school. And I think this will be the school that I retire at. Uh, It's not too far from my house. My commute is about 12 minutes. Takes me about 12 minutes to get to work. So I think this will be my last school. And I think I can retire in about 15 years. So I might be at this school for about 20 years. But yeah, it's just just the one school. Just the one school. And uh, like I said earlier, I think um, you had joined a little after, Madi. But every day I have four classes. And in those classes, I have about 
20 students in each class. Freddie Wolf. Freddie Wolf from France, right? Did I ever thank you for that super chat you left a couple weeks ago? Thank you, Freddie. Thank you. Uh, no, never. Bananas never go in the fridge. They, they turn black more quickly. I don't want to create any banana controversy. Some people might keep the bananas in the fridge. Some people might not. I hope we don't have any uh, any arguments in the chat about bananas. Maybe I should move on. I I try to always stay away from religion, politics, and now I might have to add bananas. Mate, no talk. I'm sorry that I opened that can of worms. I used that in class yesterday, by the way, can of worms. And I asked my students, you know what that means? Because it is an English idiom. I said, oh no, I don't want to open up a can of worms in here. Can of problems. That's what that means. So maybe I opened a can of worms when I talked about the um, storage of bananas. Do you keep them on the counter? The counter is just like a shelf in your kitchen. Do you keep them on the counter? Or do you put them in the fridge? Maybe, maybe we shouldn't talk about bananas anymore. Oh no. Yeah, I think maybe some people will go bananas if we talk too much about bananas. Yeah, great one, Constantine. Yeah, go crazy. Hope people don't go crazy. All right, I did see something. Oh geez, there's that. What? So if you put them in a bag in the fridge, they last forever? I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Thanks, Sean. Joseph, that's what I'm here for. You have many questions. That's what I'm here for. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What's Maria say here? I've been studying phrasal verbs these days, and yes, I am memorizing them, writing sentences and practicing some of them for a week, and then I learn new ones. So, hey, Everybody learns in a different way. Maybe you learn like Maria does, and that's great. And guess what? I have spoken to Maria. Maria knows what she is doing. I would never say she is wrong. Her English is up there. Did that hurt your ears? That didn't. I didn't mean for that to be so loud. It is way up there, way up there. All right. Mm. Ooh, Joseph, this is a good question right here. What's the difference between arrogance and pride? So let's, and th this came up in the members discord before too. I'm going to add another one in the hockey. Okay, so for all of these, all of these three, Hey fire, how you doing for all of these three? What a joke. Mega be careful. I don't want to start the banana argument again. Okay. Oh, gee, I'm, I'm all over the place. Bag and sack. Yeah, they're a little different. But yeah, let's be careful. Please, I'm going to ask you no more talk of bananas. It's just way too controversial. I should have not opened that can of worms. I'm sorry. Uh, cocky. Arrogant. Prideful. I'm going to change that. Um Oh, I should do a video on this. Let me write this down. Confidence. Because they're all very difficult words. They mean almost the same, but they have different connotations. 
So if I say somebody has a lot of confidence, it means they believe in themselves. And that's a good thing. But if they are arrogant or cocky, it means they believe too much in themselves and they might look down on others. So this might be a good topic for like a lesson, like a five minute le- the bone again, the bone again up there. Hopefully you can't hear it. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. I know people are very passionate about the banana, uh, the banana topic. I'm, I'm sorry about that. It's my fault. It's my fault. Bob the Canadian loves bananas. Okay. He's been very good to the channel. Maybe I, I should. I love bananas too. I'm, I am team banana. I am definitely team banana. So I think they're one of the best fruits. Team bananas. I, I promise. So no worries there. Team bananas. Oh, what's the difference between up to my knees and up to my eyeballs? Uh, both mean you have a lot of something. So I'm going to use work. So let's just say like this week, it was a really busy week for me at work. I was up to my eyeballs in work, but just think it's like, it's like if you took all of the work that you had, it would fill it up right to your eyeballs. You know, your knees, you might not have as much work, but I am up to my knees in work. Yeah, it just, it just means you have a lot of it, but man, I'm up to my eyeballs and work. I need a day off. I mean, I had the whole summer off and I'm complaining about how much work I had these five days. Come on, come on. Marty, the, the bananas, it's a touchy topic. It's a touchy topic. I love bananas. Get hungry. Yeah, Joseph, I live in the United States. And I live just north of Boston in a state called Maine. Hello, Jocelyn. Welcome. Oh, Marty. Uh, sorry, uh, Miho is just getting here. She's from Japan. I know it's very late where she lives. Wow, she's up late. She's a night owl. And um, I actually have to get going. So I am sorry that I can't. Oh, wait, hang on. Does Bob the Canadian go at 11? Let's just stay right here. I'll stay here for like another uh, 10 minutes and answer any questions you might have. And then we can just go right into Bob the Canadian's live stream because he's going for an hour. So I am going for like almost an hour and a half. You can get another hour of English learning with Bob the Canadian. If you have that much time on your Saturday to learn English, you are going to be a great English speaker in no time. And I know some of you are already great English speakers. Love it. Love it. I, I love that phrase. Love it. It's just, it's two words to let somebody know, oh, you agree. You're, I love it. Love it. So maybe you can use that this week. If you're speaking to someone in English and you agree with them, you can say, oh, love it. And that doesn't mean like the love you have for your partner or your spouse or your husband or your wife or your kids or your dog that's making noise upstairs. It just, it's a, it's a little bit less 
of a love, but it's, it's a great way to, oh yeah, man, love it, love it. Hey, do you like learning English? Oh, love it, love it. Sir, do you use the word effort to money or only afford to buy or pay? Um, it might take a lot of effort to earn money to buy a house, but effort is usually used with work. Uh, but yeah, I can afford to buy a small house. Yeah, afford it means you can you can buy something. You have enough money to buy something. Marco, how are you? Welcome. Uh-oh, Oleg, we're getting into a little bit of grammar here. Um, so... Hello, Mr. Brent. Could you please say when you use your and yours? Yeah. So when you're naming the object, I'll use this in an example here. You're going to use your. When you take out the name of that object, you will say yours. Okay. So let's look at something like this. Hey, Mario's here. Welcome from Indonesia. You might say something like, there's a typo in there. Hang on. It's hard to read and type at the same time. Let me just, let me just type. Is this your book? Okay. Is this your book? It's your book. So that your, it is, it is showing possession. It's being used as an adjective. That's that's your book. It's, it's possessive. But maybe you've already said that. And they know you're talking about the book. Maybe you're in the room and you're you're pointing to the object. So you might just just say, "Hey, is that yours?" So when the other person knows what object you're talking about, you can just leave off the actual name of the object and show possession like that. Hey, is that yours? Maybe maybe there's a a glass of water, a bunches of glasses of water, and you you don't know which one is yours or theirs, or his, or hers, say, hey, is that, is that yours? Is, is that mine? Is that mine? And then you drink it, and it's not yours, and then you get sick. Because someone was sick. All right. Who's, uh, who's this book? Hang on, Marty. Let's do this. Whose book is this? Who's, whose book is this? Who said that? Who's, who's this book? Who's, yeah, we might say like this. Whose book is this? So if you're waving it in the air, maybe one of my students, like, hey, hey, whose book is this? So I'm talking about like this. And I don't know, maybe there's a group of people, like, hey, whose book is this? And if I, if I think I know who this book belongs to, I could say, hey, is this your book? Is this your book? Is this yours? You know, I, I could be handing it to, is, is this yours? Yeah. Whose book, whose book is this? This is, this is my book. Don't take my book. This is my book. As I hit the microphone again. All right. What time we got here? Eight minutes until Bob the Canadian goes live. See, can I find a link to his channel? Let's just get a link here. I'll go over to Bob the Canadian's channel. That man, a little support. 47 people are waiting already. 
he did actually add a trailer also to his live stream. So he is going live in about seven minutes right here. So, okay, Oleg. Awesome. Great. Oh, is there more banana talk? Is there more banana talk? Oh my gosh. That's out good. So, sir, isn't it? Who's? Who is? Yeah. Um, who is? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Mega. So something like this. Thank you, Mega. Um, who's written like that? It's a contraction for who is, whose shows possession. So just in case there's any confusion there, who's written the, the first way, sometimes you have to see it. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, you can't see this. Who's, who is, it's got that little apostrophe. That's what we call that, an apostrophe S. And then who's. Uh, shows possession, shows possession. All right. Yeah, I think I can. Cecilia is wondering, can you use the word insanely? Yeah, insanely can be a good thing. Like, oh my gosh, this is an insanely hard assignment. So you're 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 adding. Um, it's almost like really. So this is an insanely hard assignment. So it, it could be a bad thing or it could be a good thing. Oh, that was an insanely good book. I really like that. So it just depends. Could be good. It could be bad, but it's, it's always used to describe something like really, really. I hope this was an insanely good English lesson. I can't promise that it was, but I hope it was insanely good. Really, really good. Right now I'm going to drop the link. Can I drop the link? Yeah. Right there is a link to Bob the Canadian's live stream. He's going to be going in about five minutes, but he left a little trailer, which you can watch before he goes live. And he's describing what he's going to do in the live lesson. Spoiler alert. He's going to do what I did. Take your questions. He's also very good. So if you don't know Bob the Canadian, get to know Bob the Canadian. He's a good teacher. But I think many of you have found my channel through Bob the Canadian. So thank you. So wait, Miho is a, a channel member. I got to take care of the channel members, right? Got to take care of the channel members. What does it mean to outsmart? So if you outsmart somebody or if you, or maybe your dog outsmarts you, I think that's the, um, that's the uh, example that I would use but it means you've gotten one over on them. You've won up them. You've gotten the best of them. So let's say you got a new dog, just like I did. And then you built a fence. You built a fence to keep your dog in the backyard. You want to keep them safe. You want to let them run around, but you, know, you want them in the backyard. So if they dig a hole under the fence and they get out anyway, or they jump over the fence, they have outsmarted you. 
like you thought you did a good thing. You're going to keep them in the backyard, but they got one over on you. They got the better of you by digging that hole or jumping over the fence. Mega. No, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for uh, being a channel member. Joseph, thanks for stopping by. Hope I answered your questions really well. Constantine, thank you so much for the questions. And I will see you um, hopefully next week. I'll see you as soon as I can. Life is getting a little busy with the whole teaching thing, but I'm going to be chatting in Bob the Canadian's chat for a little bit. So maybe I'll see you over there. Thank you, everyone. Adios, amigos. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another lesson. In today's lesson to help you improve your English, we are going to talk about 18 of the most difficult, most confusing words in the English language. And they are used every day, not by every person every day, but when you are having some of those more advanced conversations, you will run into these words. We're talking about words like opportunity versus probability. We're talking about the difference between consistent and persistent. Sympathy, empathy, apathy. What are the differences? If you are an advanced English speaker, if you are studying for the IELTS or the TOEFL, this is the perfect lesson for you. If you are a beginner, check it out, but this might not be the right lesson for you. This is going to be challenging. This is going to be one of those lessons you may want to pause the video and think about what I say. You may want to step away from the video, come back to it a few minutes later, a few days later, because we are diving deep into the English language. We'll also do some shadowing to help you with that English pronunciation. If you've seen any of the videos I've done on shadowing before, the sentence will appear at the bottom. I hope that doesn't interfere with the subtitles or the closed captions if you have them on, but I think it's better than having them over my head. If that sounds like a great English lesson for you, grab a piece of paper maybe a pen, maybe that coffee, sit down and let's get into it because by the end of this lesson, I promise your English will be improved. One quick note before we get into that lesson, I need to give a huge shout out to Yasin. He left a comment. Let me slide over here. He left a comment on one of my videos a couple months ago and this is what I am basing this lesson on, his comment. He left 18 words in that comment. He said they're confusing. I agree. I might add a couple more, but we will be talking about at least 18 very confusing words. Let's get started. The first pair of words that can be confusing is opportunity 
and probability, even pronouncing it right, probability, opportunity. Let's talk about opportunity first. It means you have a chance at something that might fail. Usually it's a good thing, but for some reason it might not happen. It will probably happen. We'll talk about probably in just a few minutes, but it's something good that can happen in your life, but it's not for sure. Let's look at the word in a sentence. I do not want to blow this once in a lifetime opportunity. In this sentence, to blow something, it means to fail at it. For some reason, it doesn't go the right way. My daughter has the opportunity to study in the United States next spring. There's some shadowing practice for you. My daughter has the opportunity to study in the United States next spring. Maybe this young lady has really good grades. Her college says, why don't you study in the United States? It could be a great opportunity for you. At work, I have the opportunity for a promotion. If you notice in this sentence, there is a prepositional phrase before the subject. Therefore, I need to put a comma before the subject. I in this sentence is the subject. The prepositional phrase is at work. This prepositional phrase could come at the end of the sentence. You would not need a comma then. You could say, I have the opportunity for a promotion at work. The next one is probability. That means there is a chance that something could happen. It could be a high probability of something happening or a low probability of something happening. Let's look at a couple examples. There's a high probability for rain tomorrow. In other words, there is a good chance that it will rain tomorrow. Maybe you go to your boss at work. You want the day off tomorrow. Maybe it's going to be sunny. You have some plans to go to the beach. You may ask your boss, what's the probability of me getting the day off tomorrow? What are the chances I don't have to work? What's the probability you will understand everything in this English lesson today? I don't know. I hope there's a high probability, but if the probability is low, you can always watch it again. The next two words, probably and properly. Probably. There's a good chance something will happen. Right now, as I'm recording this lesson, it's summer where I live, and I will probably go to the beach again this summer. There's a good chance I don't live too far from the beach. When you ask your boss for the day off, hopefully they will say, yeah, you can probably get the day off tomorrow. Probably. There's a good chance that that will happen. My daughter will probably study in the United States next year. So sometimes in English, you might hear a 50-50 chance of something happening. That means an equally good chance that it will happen with an equally bad chance. 50-50, an equal chance of it happening. If something will probably happen, there's a better than 50% chance that it will happen. It, it just isn't certain. It's not definite. If we go back to that 
probability thing, there's a high probability of it happening if you say it will probably happen. Yeah, see, I told you, this is a tough lesson. Let's talk about properly. That means it's it's done well. Here's the sentence. If something is done properly, it is done well. I hope I'm teaching this lesson properly. Now notice properly is an adverb. It describes how something is done. It describes a verb most of the time. At least in the United States, when we use properly, that is very formal English. Let's take my children. They each have rooms. I might ask them to clean their room. When they are done, if I wanted to be really formal, I hardly ever am really formal, I might say, have you cleaned your room properly? Have you cleaned your room properly? I would probably just say, have you cleaned your room well? Probably. I would probably say that instead. You ready for the next one? It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. One that I think even native English speakers have a tough time with. But this is the difference between three words. Sympathy, empathy, and apathy. They all have something to do with the way you feel towards something else. Let's take a look at sympathy. Sympathy. Sympathy is when you feel badly for someone. You can offer your sympathy. Let's say a very good friend of yours just lost a loved one. Maybe they lost their mother. Their mother has passed away. You can offer them sympathy. So sympathy is when you are feeling bad for someone. Empathy is a little bit different. Empathy means you can feel what the other person feels. Empathy is when you understand the feelings of someone. You can feel empathetic towards someone. Empathy is the noun. Empathetic is the adjective. It describes how you feel. Let's take homeless children. You know, it's it's a really sad thing. So you could definitely have sympathy for those homeless children. For sure, you could feel bad for them because they don't have a home. Now let's think about the people who help out homeless children. You could have a lot of empathy for those people who work with those children. Let's take a look at that example sentence. I will read it and you can practice shadowing. I have a lot of empathy for those people who work with homeless children. So of course, those children have really tough lives. You could have sympathy for them. You could even have empathy, but it might be a little difficult to know exactly how they are feeling if you've never been homeless yourself. But with someone who works with homeless children, you might be able to understand how they feel going home every night. They probably think about those children they work with a lot. So you could feel empathy for those people. You could be empathetic for those people. Anytime you tell someone, oh, I know how you're feeling, you are showing empathy. The next one is apathy or being apathetic. 
And that means you don't care at all. You really have no feelings towards the subject. Maybe you have an English class that you really don't want to go to. I hope, I hope you don't have that. Maybe, maybe you're watching this lesson and you think, oh, Brent, that guy, he's so much better than my other English teacher. So maybe you're feeling some apathy towards your class right now. You don't really want to go. Here's an example sentence. I am feeling a ton of apathy towards my English class. I don't feel like going this afternoon. So let's review. Sympathy is when you feel bad for someone. Empathy is when you can feel how that other person feels. And apathy is you don't really care at all. And if you are enjoying this lesson at all, if you are finding some value, do you mind hitting that thumbs up? It helps other people find this lesson. This lesson is a lot longer than I thought it would be. If there is a part two, I will put a card right up there. If you wanna continue learning English, take a look at a video I made about the state of Texas. In today's lesson, I want to give you three, maybe four sayings and idioms that native speakers say all the time in English. All of them will have the word cold in them. And I think, you know, this will be a great way to learn English for those phrases. But I think the better thing will be listening to a native English speaker, hopefully speak clearly speak at a really good pace for you, not too slow, not too quickly, and it's going to be super casual. So you can watch this over and over again, maybe have this playing in the background while you're doing dishes, just to get that listening inside your brain so that your brain will become uh, more comfortable with hearing the English language. And one of the best ways to speak English is to hear English. I've said it before in some videos, it's true, I promise. Listening to English will actually help you speak English. So I have some notes on my phone. You may see me look down at my uh, at my knee a couple times because uh, my phone has some notes. It has the sayings that have cold in them that I wanna talk to you about. So the first one is cold turkey. Cold turkey has nothing to do with the animal turkey. Um, we often in the United States eat turkey for Thanksgiving. And I don't know, it's an idiom, which is why it has nothing to do with turkey being cold, but it means you stop something right then and there. It's another phrase we use a lot right then and there you stop something and it's almost always bad. So smoking is the first thing that comes to mind. I hope you don't smoke. I hope you don't smoke. I think some cultures around the world think, uh, you know, smoking is okay. In the United States, and I think science backs this up, like yes, you shouldn't you shouldn't smoke. But let's uh let's take a friend of yours or a friend of mine and my friend smokes. And then one day they decide, you know what? Today I had 8 cigarettes. Tomorrow I'm going to have zero. I'm not gonna smoke ever again that stopping cold turkey. Maybe you, uh, you have a lot of sugar in your diet. I might be guilty of that. And maybe one day I say to myself, you know, you know, know what, no more sugar. 
no more sugar. I would stop it cold turkey. Number two is to get cold feet. To get cold feet, it means you have something to do, you're getting nervous, and then you don't want to do it. One of the most common ways you will hear to get cold feet in English in the United States is when someone is about to get married. And maybe the night before, they think to themselves, oh no, this is the wrong person. I can't marry them. And then they don't want to go through with it. That would mean they have cold feet. Or if they start doubting themselves, oh no, should I marry this person? You might say they are starting to get cold feet. Again, I'm not sure what feet has to do with it. I'm not sure what cold has to do with it. But anytime you hear of somebody getting cold feet in English, it means they're getting nervous and they don't want to do something they have to do. They don't want to go through with it. Let's see the next one. Oh, give someone the cold shoulder to get. So this is your shoulder right here. It really has nothing to do with cold, nothing to do with shoulder, but it means you ignore somebody. You ignore somebody. Let's say you have a coworker, someone you work with, and I don't know, maybe you heard that they were talking about you when you weren't in the room. They were saying bad things about you. We might say that they were talking behind your back. There's a bonus phrase there. If somebody is talking behind your back, means they're talking about you, you're not in the room, and they're saying bad things about you. So if you found out somebody was talking about you, someone was saying some not so nice things about you, the next day at work, you might give them the cold shoulder. You might ignore them. So anytime you ignore somebody, you're giving them the cold shoulder. Oh, the next one. I like this one. Out cold, out cold. I think there are two ways that we can use this. Uh, one is good and one is bad. Let's do the bad one first. If you get injured, if you get hit on the head and get knocked out, that's an English phrasal verb. If you lose consciousness, that's a big word. Basically, let's say somebody gets hit in the head and then they pass out. There's a lot of English phrasal verbs there, right? But they're on the ground, their eyes are shut. You shake them to try to wake them up and they don't wake up. They're not dead, they're not dead. They're just out cold. They're just out cold. They probably have a concussion. So that's the bad way. You can get knocked out and you can get knocked out cold. You're just out cold. Uh, boxing, does anybody, anybody like the sport of boxing? It's a little violent. Some people like it, but if uh, somebody gets punched in the head, they go down and then people try to wake them up. We might say that they have been knocked out or they're out cold or they pass out. So a lot of ways to describe that. But one could be a good way. And this is when you're sleeping. Let's say you have a small child and that small child has been running around all day running, running, running. They have a lot of energy. Well, at night, maybe they go to sleep and they're just out cold. That's good for parents. 
if you are sleeping and you're just out cold, that's good. Now it might be bad if you have a job interview and your alarm goes off and you're still out cold and you don't wake up for the alarm and you don't make it to the job interview on time, yeah, that would be a bad thing. So out cold can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. Let's see any more? Uh, I mean, I have a couple more written down, but I think these are the most common. I don't want to give you one that you'll never use. So let's stop there with uh, some that you will hear quite often. And then I hope that you were able to follow along with this English lesson and uh, I'll see you next time.